G'day and welcome to the Beyond the Message podcast. Hey, it is great to have you here listening in today. My name is Lockie and I'm the host of this experience. And really my job is to help guide those 167 hours beyond Sunday or beyond the message so that you can grow in your faith all throughout the week. Now today I sit down with Chris Podlick and we talk through a brand new series called Reclaiming Irresistible. And we talk about how the Jesus movement was once irresistible and it actually can be irresistible again. And so we try to make sense of some of the Old Testament references we gave in part one, but we also talk about if there's actually hope for the church. Will Jesus be relevant in our society? Is it even possible that people will turn to Jesus? So I really hope you enjoy this conversation as we look at part one of Reclaiming Irresistible. Well, Chris, there was no Four Monday uh, on Sunday, and so there's no podcast this week. But what would we actually talk about if there's no Four Monday, Chris? That's it. We're done. See you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Message podcast. Well, look, we're an application-based podcast and we're, you know, I'd say we're an application-based church. So I don't really know where to go from here, Chris. So you're going to have to carry me through this one. Um, but if you did miss out on Sunday, Chris ate three lemons on stage mm. and we'll get to that in a bit, but it was a- it Actually was a very... six, six Mate. across, three, three of the 10, three of the six. There you go. Did you eat them online? I didn't actually check out our Beyond a Home this week because I was in person, but did you eat a lemon online? I didn't eat a lemon online. On okay, so this makes no sense. I didn't eat a lemon on lime. No, I didn't eat a lemon online. So. so this makes no sense to anyone who's just tuning in to be uh, to be on a home. But we'll explain it because it's uh, it's quite exciting. It'll make sense soon, I promise. That's it. Well, I'm really excited because we're at a brand new series. I love a new series. And generally, Chris, you know that I like to just ask a bit of the inspiration. It's good to know where it's coming from, from your perspective. Um, where it sits with the rest of Beyond, but we're doing a series called Re- Reclaiming Irresistible. And um, yeah, I'd just love to ask, like, where has this idea come from? What's the what's the vision behind it? Yes, there's a couple of places it's come from. One, obviously, at Beyond, our vision is to create churches that people who don't go to church or who wouldn't consider themselves Christians or maybe who walked away from faith would love to engage with. And one of the things that I hear a lot is just people saying, oh, that's so unique. That's so interesting. Like that's so different. Uh, and actually a lot of church people are like, can you even do that? Like, is that okay? But um, in the first century, people who were nothing like Jesus, and we say this all the time, liked Jesus and he liked them back. And so the question has to be, if, if 2000 years later, people who don't want to have anything to do with Jesus don't want to have anything to do with the local church, like what went wrong and like what happened? Um, Because that's clearly got to be an us issue, right? Because if we're Jesus's followers, then we're representing it. And I think um, for the most part, if I'll just be honest, a lot of Jesus followers um, don't actually really understand the new that Jesus came to bring into the world. We kind of hear these Old Testament stories and we hear these bits and pieces. And so really what I want to do with this series is kind of, for the first two parts, kind of give a little bit of a theological rationale for um, for what Jesus came to introduce into the world. And then the last two parts, we're going to get uber, uber practical. So that's part of it. And then secondly, um, this is also heavily based on a book called Irresistible um, by a guy called Andy Stanley. So if I steal series from books, I always love to plug it and give people a resource because then you can go and read it for yourself. Yeah, so good. And it was definitely an eventful Sunday outside of you eating a lemon. Um, and you spend, like, I think you started in genesis was it genesis you started yep. we went genesis up, all the way to malachi 
into, well, I think he even leaked just into the first bit of Matthew as well. Did. And so that, uh, for those who know, that's literally the entire Old Testament. And you did talk about a bit, um, you know, a little bit of kind of every part. And um, I'd just like to use an opportunity to start off um, this podcast just to get a, not necessarily a recap, but just an understanding of, of what that story has got to do with what we're talking about. And so, yeah, I want to ask, um, what is a story, I guess, from Abraham, which starts in Genesis to, to Jesus, which is in the New Testament? Um, how does that show the irresistible nature of Jesus? Like, I think it's kind of like the way I explained it on in, in person was that it's kind of like asking someone like, hey, why is a lemon sour or why is a lolly sweet? You're kind of like, oh, I need a little bit of the backstory of it. And so I feel like we we miss some of Jesus's irresistible message when we don't understand the scene that, that the new that Jesus kind of brings into the world comes from. We don't understand the context of it. And so I think like for a lot of Christians um, or, and even people who aren't, who are kind of figuring out, maybe you've heard the term like, I want a personal relationship with Jesus. And that kind of conjures up a whole bunch of different ideas for a whole bunch of different people. Some people might think best friends. Some people might think like mentor or counselor or all that stuff. Um, But one way it could be understood is the idea of a partnership. Like God invites us into partnership. And if you look at like Genesis, that one of the first things that God does with Adam and Eve in the garden is to invite them into partnership with like cultivating the earth, um, looking after things, fighting for justice. But then Adam and Eve kind of in humanity really decided that, well, we don't really want the partnership with God. And so what God does then is he actually invites a small group of the population, the nation of Israel, into a partnership and says, hey, through this partnership, we are going to change the world and we are going to give the world an opportunity to re-enter into um, partnership with me. Um, and there's a number of like covenants because it really this kind of partnership, the fancy term for it in the Old Testament is covenant, like enter into this partnership. Um, and there's, there's a number of covenants in the Old Testament, but we kind of focused on three on Sunday. We looked at kind of like the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant and the Davidic covenant. Um, I didn't say those in the messages, but we kind of highlighted around those things, you know, big words there. Yeah. So, so the Abrahamic covenant is kind of, it's God's promise to Abraham the family of Abraham to make him a nation and bless the world. There's a sign associated with that. It's circumcision. And it was circumcision for Abraham's family to kind of show that, Hey, God's going to bless the nations of the world and do something different. Um, Then there's the covenant that probably most people, even if they're not Jesus followers are kind of familiar with. It's the Mosaic covenant, which is actually the 10 commandments. And that's kind of God's promise with the nation of Israel that, Hey, if you live a certain way, then I will bless the world through you. And then finally, there's the covenant with King David that's known as the Davidic covenant, which is kind of God generally is promised with David is, hey, if you um, address the injustices of the world, then someone will come through your line or through your lineage that will eventually bless the world and rewrite all the injustices that have existed. So that's sort of the very brief overview of, um, of setting the scene, really. Probably people are probably like, oh, how does that show it's irresistible? It doesn't. It kind of just sets the scene. I think that was a big theme of the, the message as well on Sunday as you're kind of setting, setting the scene. So I guess to clarify, we do have three more parts of this series, which is great. And, um, you know, it's, I, I definitely left with a bit of tension. I know I was rolling the TV on for you at the end of the service going, oh, is that the end? <laughs> is that, is that and, all we got to? And I think what might be helpful for people if they, you know, if they felt, oh, I didn't really kind of tent, like feel like it resolved is 
you got you got to remember like one of the things that, I, that we try to do online is a little bit different we try and make those one-offs so this is actually kind of going to be a little bit different even online but the way we kind of set up a series it's kind of like effectively it's a two-hour communication that we break down into four 30-minute slots or four 25-minute slots or 20-minute slots so part one is really just the intro and then by the time you get to part four you're going to be like oh this makes a lot more sense now yeah and that's awesome i think we have I have so many questions because I'm, I'm really interested in this. So you definitely have me on the edge of my seat wondering what is coming next. And I'm, I'm really excited for the, the practical parts of this series as well. Um, but one thing that you did say on the weekend, maybe giving us a bit of a taste for the coming weeks, is that the Jesus movement was once irresistible and it can be irresistible again. And I want to ask you um, personally, what actually gives you hope that this statement is true? Because um, I think you could really argue that the movement, the church, is too far gone, but there's, there's a history that's involved with the church and, and Jesus people that kind of excludes this from being irresistible once again. And mm. so, yeah, I was, I was just curious to get, um, get behind the idea and, and understand why you actually think this is possible. Yeah. Well, I think like one of the, one of the themes for me that's so interesting about the, the new Testament and particularly Jesus's life is he makes some really kind of crazy comments. He makes comments to his followers like, hey, I need to go so that you will do greater things, Like, which is crazy to think that Jesus would say that to people. Like, hey, I need to dip out of here so that you will do greater things. And right from the beginning, Jesus sort of says, hey, um, you know, the local church is going to be the way in which this new covenant or this new relationship with God is rolled out. And so really, I think when people look at Jesus' followers, what they should get a glimpse into is Jesus. And even I know a lot of Christians say things like, oh, well, the church isn't meeting my needs and the church isn't this and the church isn't that. But Jesus never talked about in the New, in the New Testament, you don't actually ever see the word, word church, right? In, uh, in, the, in the original Greek, you see this word ekklesia, which is a movement of people moving on purpose. And so I think modern day Christians have this idea that the church is a building or the church is an organization. No, the church is people. And so if the church exploded, the building didn't explode, a movement of people exploded because the way in which they lived was absolutely irresistible. And part of the reason that they were so irresistible is because they were the people who were closest to Jesus. And when people looked at them, they're like, that's something I'm drawn to. Now I think as time has changed and you can track all throughout history, the reasons for it. Um, but the church has become more about a building and more about a location and less about individuals saying, Hey, I am the church. Not I go to church, but I actually am the church. And when people look at me, they get a glimpse at Jesus. And so <clears throat> I actually think it's possible because it's happened before. It's happened before. And I think it can, if it's happened before, it means that it can happen again. You know, if there's a time in history where it has happened, like between kind of the first disciples, like have we gone back into that territory or are we kind of going for a, a, a uncharted territory in, in the sense of like church beyond the early church? No, I think there's definitely been points in history where it's happened. Um, and again, we, we need to remember that the explosion of the first century church happened in a region and it happened around the Mediterranean. So there's definitely been, like if you look in Africa at the moment, um, Christianity is exploding all throughout um, Africa. Um, in China, um, in the last sort of 15 to 20 years, when the church was pushed underground, Christianity was exploding. I don't quite know the rates of growth, but they were ridiculous rates of growth. Um and, and, I, and I think part of that has to do with the fact that um, we're, they're kind of shifting this thing away from um, 
you know, that Christianity isn't how often you go to church, how much money you give to the church, how you vote, where you stand on social issues, all those sorts of things. Um, but in those countries and in those ways, it's it's known for what they love and it's known for this this thing that's that's irresistible. So, yeah. Yeah, that's um, super intriguing to think that there's actually parts of the world at the moment that are experiencing that. And mm. I guess we're probably talking about our own cultural context. I guess we can only really accurately comment on what's going on mm. potentially in Australia. And that's, um, it's a, that's a really fascinating conversation to have about Jesus being irresistible for us right here, right now. Yeah. And I, I do want to touch on the lemon, Chris, because yes. I said it at the start. Yeah. And we kind of gave this idea of like a lemon and a lolly. And obviously, if you had your pick, um, mm. most people would go for the lolly. And in fact, I did go for a lolly on the weekend because we had that in the entrance and I went for a couple too many lollies. Which one did you um, go for? Or did you just uh, sample? I'm a fantail guy. I'm 100% a fantail guy. Yes. Chewy caramel. They're, they're just too... They oh, they last a bit longer than a regular lolly. They're just too good. Anyway. You don't <laughs> have to justify it to me. I love a good fantail. <laughs> That's good. Um, and we talked about how for some people, church and Christianity has been more like eating a lemon than it has been a lolly. It's been something that isn't quite nice. Um, and, and people have had a lot of mixed experiences. And I guess, Chris, you're, as a pastor, you've been on the front line in terms of people's church experience for a couple of years and probably been looking at it um, you know, for many years before that. And I want to know why is this Christian experience or this church experience more like a lemon than a lolly for so many people? Because I, it's, I, I can definitely, um, definitely recognize that it, that's that's a common experience for people. There is no, there is no simple answer for this, um, and everyone probably has their own take on it. And people listen to my take, so here's just my take, right? This is just random old Chris's two cents worth on this, but where I think or why I think it's become the case is because we've made made things that aren't essential appear essential. We've made things like the way in which we conduct our worship services. Hey, this is the way it has to be. That's not essential. That's not important. Um, You know, we've made things like our political views or our views on social issues or your view on scientific theory We've made these things like, hey, this is the most important thing. And if you don't believe this, then you can't trust all the rest of it. And and we've made these things that are not central to our faith, incredibly central. It's not to say they're not important, but they're secondary issues. They're not the main thing. And so then I think people are kind of going, well, they kind of lost sight of, well, what is the main thing? And, what is, and when you don't know what the main thing is, you kind of just grab onto all these other things and kind of hold on to that. And so I think... <clears throat> Um, yeah, really simply, we've made following Jesus about things that the Jesus movement was never supposed to be about. Definitely. That's a, a nice, concise answer there, Chris. I appreciate <clears throat> that. And um, I kind of, I guess it's following on from a previous question we asked just before. Um, and, and maybe we'll talk about it in the coming weeks. I guess that's what this, this whole setup is for the series. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to know, in, in your opinion, is it possible for Jesus to be irresistible in our current culture? Will people want to be Christian and want to come to our churches and, and get to know Jesus and be discipled in our current context and culture? Well, I, I kind of think that Jesus is, I would say, relatively irresistible in our current culture. Like You can kind of bring Jesus up in conversations and most people won't really balk at that. 
they'll balk at the whole Christianity church thing when you start adding all these other things onto it. Where I think the challenge is, is for Jesus followers to become irresistible once again. And I think that's a distinction. Um, and so I think if we want to make Jesus irresistible, because Jesus naturally is that Jesus followers need to become more irresistible themselves, which means ultimately we need to become more like Jesus. Um, and because I know that you're a little disappointed I didn't give a full Monday, I thought I would just get really <laughs> practical with this because <clears throat> you're right, we're going to talk about this forever. Here's one thing I would challenge people who are listening to do this week. If you're looking for a place to start, right, because we have to take ownership because it's really easy to sort of say, oh, the church needs to become irresistible. But what does that mean? It means that every single Jesus follower needs to become less resistible to people who aren't Jesus followers. Um, And so I think the best, a great place to start, not the best, a great place to start would be to get the book of Mark, read it, listen to it as you go into work, listen to the audio version, and then take some notes around some things, particularly things like how does Jesus spend his time? Who does he spend his time with? What sort of habits did Jesus think were important? And and one of my favorites is um, how did Jesus have conversations with people who agreed with him? And how did Jesus have conversations with people who disagreed with him? You know, what are Jesus specific teachings on all the fun things like forgiveness or how you should treat people who don't share your views and values? Look at those things. And once you've kind of made a few notes, you get a little bit of a picture of who Jesus is. Just pick one area one area of your life to focus on and make it a little bit more like Jesus. Just focus on that for a week or two weeks or three weeks. Start super, super simple. Because if you can be a little bit more like Jesus, then that I think is the goal for us becoming more irresistible into the future. I see what you did there, Chris, because I, I, I sense that we, we started by talking about the church and it actually does come down to our individual actions and, and how we live. Um, and, you know, from, from the start saying the church is, it was never a building. It's always a movement. And therefore to change the church would be to start by picking one area of your personal life and to make it more like Jesus. Yeah. Because I think ultimately if every single Jesus follower is trying to become, you know, the, the reality is we're not trying to become irresistible. We're trying to become more like Jesus. And by doing that, we become irresistible because the method, because Jesus is irresistible. So if we take personal responsibility, then the church will become less and less resistible to the world around us. Yeah. It's just almost like just trying to get out of the way and, and let Jesus be Jesus and not put up any barriers that are unnecessary. A hundred percent. Well, you, you know, John, in, even in John's gospel, it says that like, he must become greater. I must become less. So you're kind of right. Like got to get ego and got to get myself and got to get my own pride out of the way. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, and I guess the, the reason is that this life-changing message of Jesus will reach more people and more people will be more like Jesus. And, and I guess what's really exciting is that people who are nothing like Jesus at the moment will be like Jesus. Um, we'll reach more people and more people will be greatly impacted. And that's just, that's pretty exciting. I think as we, as we open up such a big conversation about, you know, how maybe how much we've done wrong and mm. to start to go, how can we actually pick a better path and, and do this better? Yeah, and I think the road forward is pretty, it's, it starts by doing the simple things. You know, it's kind of like, hey, I want to tackle this massive world issue. Well, you got to start by tackling the issues in your own life first and then we move forward from there. Yeah, so good. 
I feel like we've, we've set the scene well, Chris, um, for a great series. And um, I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm excited. I, like, I particularly can't wait for, for three and four, parts three and four, because I love the practical, but I definitely yeah. think there's a lot to learn for us um, and for everyone that tunes in either to our in-person or online environments through parts in one, kind of giving a theological framework. Um, but yeah, really want to encourage you to, to come back, to keep leaning in, to invite someone along as well for the journey, because this is a... Yeah, a very timely conversation. And I promise I'll have a full Monday for part two for you. Yes, <laughs> finally. No, too good. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Thanks for jumping back on the Beyond the Message podcast. We'll see you for the next two weeks. So we've got a few more to get this rolling. I'm pretty excited.